I will ask everybody to come up to the stage for our next panel. Um, did you, well, let's see, I can advance the slide myself. Uh, hang on. The, um, it's not as easy as on Zoom, but it's a lot more fun to have you guys here. Um, let me just get to the, our panel here. Okay, so uh, I w thank you, Chris, for uh, that excellent keynote and kicking off our panel where open science meets phosphor G. Um, the, uh, the, on our panel, uh, I want to uh, say hello to everybody from Sof Dr. Sophia Liu. Um, Sophia was <clears throat> instrumental in putting this together, but was unable to attend due to exigencies at uh, USGS at the last second, so I'm going to stand in as the moderator. But while Chris is coming back, I'd like the panelists to just introduce themselves, and we'll start with Paige. Just introduce yourself and your work, and then we'll just uh, kick off the panel. Yes, hello. Great, my mic is working. Hello, uh, my name is Paige Martin. I am a support scientist in NASA's Office of the Chief Science Data Officer and we work to support and enable open science at NASA and beyond. Hey, uh, I'm Ryan Abernathy. I'm an oceanographer and climate scientist by training. I've been a professor at Columbia University for the past decade, but uh, in the past year, I recently went on leave from that and started uh, our new company called Earthmover, where we're building a cloud data platform for scientific data. Uh, morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Sudhis Resta. Uh, I'm with the NOAA Office of Water Prediction. So uh, I'm technical manager for the Web and Data Service Program. So what we are trying to do about how, how, how to make our data a lot more interoperable and accessible to the large our hydrology program. So this is a great, uh, great actually community. This is my first time being in the first 4G, so I'm very excited about this panel, and thanks for taking time. And Chris Holmes with Planet. I just blathered a lot. Kick it off with, and I'll just start coming back down the line again. Um, Paige, if you wouldn't mind starting out with, can you describe how uh, NASA and your programs at NASA uh, support open science and how open source software in this community, uh, collaborating with this community, uh, might benefit those open science efforts? Yeah, so NASA it has really prioritized open science. Um, actually for quite a while was made. Um, NASA data has been openly available, not necessarily readily usable um, for many decades. And so that's what we're really working on now. Um, so um, we have something called the Open Source Science Initiative. Um, and this is really where the core of the support for open science comes from. We're looking at uh, establishing policies for NASA scientists and NASA funded scientists on how to do their work openly. Uh, we're looking at incentives, so that includes funding incentives. So what funding can we put in place to support communities like, like you in doing the, uh, work openly? Um, we're also running some prizes and, and challenges to really incentivize um, open principles while doing scientific research. Um, and we also have a community aspect, um, which is NASA's Transform to Open Science, or TOPS initiative. Uh, and that's really trying to engage the community because we recognize that open science isn't just about um, the, the products, isn't just about making our data and our software open. It's about this culture change um, where we, we do our science in a more collaborative way, um, where we can really build upon one another's work um, and not have to reinvent the wheel. Um, but we recognize that that um, affects the incentives for individuals um, compared to kind of all of science. Where we see this as progressing science faster, we'll, we'll be able to build on top of everyone's work. But for any individual, it might take a little bit more time to, to do your work in a more open way, to uh, establish the right um, you know, documentation and metadata for your code um, and, and your data. So, um, so that's really uh, one of our big focuses, is engaging with the community. And um, uh, we also are looking at infrastructure. So this is what infrastructure do we need um, that would be kind of core across all of NASA. Um, that's where we're starting right now because we don't even have that within NASA. And then hopefully we can expand to work with other government agencies and organizations as well. So how 
Uh, you know, working with communities like this one, I have to say, this is my first Phosphor-G. It's very exciting. Um, it's been a really wonderful and welcoming community so far. Um, and I, I see a lot, of, a lot of potential collaboration. So a lot of what we do at NASA and other government agencies, we sometimes move a bit slower than some of the open source communities that we might all be familiar with, which can be a little annoying on one side, but I think it's also nice to have different entities that are moving at different timescales. It takes us some time, but we do listen to the community. So at NASA, especially NASA Earth Science and Earth Data, we are using a lot of the tools that you all are help develop, helping to develop. Um, we're using Stack, we're using Czar. It took us a little while to get there, but we are now full steam ahead. Um, and so a lot of what you can do is kind of continuing to do what, what you're doing um, and make it known. Um, you know, make sure to talk to people like me at NASA and others so that we know uh, what you're doing. And it does, it might take some time, but we do digest that and we try and then use these tools um, ourselves and also give back, um, you know, through funding and, and other opportunities. So. Um, I guess that's what I'll say for now, and I'll let others continue. Okay. Ryan, how about in your work at Hearthmover? How are you all supporting our open science? And how could this collaboration help? You know, for, for me, my journey into open science starts long before Earthmover. It goes back to around 2015, when I was more or less still a normal uh, mainstream scientist, <laughs> uh, not a data person. And this, some of my colleagues at NASA JPL ran an ocean model at groundbreaking, unprecedented high resolution to simulate things like ocean eddies and tides, global one kilometer mesh, which doesn't sound like a lot maybe to the imagery people, but uh, this model dumped out four petabytes of data onto a NASA supercomputer. And the data was absolutely gorgeous and fascinating. The little peaks we were able to get inside of that very opaque, dense, four-petabyte data set. And I was just struck by the gap between how transformative this data was going to be for our field and how inaccessible it was, even to me, a very capable and you know, well-resourced researcher, let alone to the thousands of other potential users of that data you know, in the US, in the developing world. You know, and at that moment, I kind of had this big pivot in my career to, to really focus on this question of how can we make all of this amazing weather, climate, ocean data much more accessible, and how can we scale up our approach to working with data to, to meet this challenge of petabytes and petabytes of our system data. That led me down a path of getting involved in open source software. I started working on open source Python tooling for working with data. Uh, packages like X-Array and Czar. And we started the Pangeo Project, which is a community platform and uh, organization uh, aimed at sort of coordinating efforts around um, uh, scaling up data analytics in climate and adjacent fields. We got involved in the cloud because we saw that the cloud had the potential to be this sort of common ground where uh, everyone could access the same data and could access computing to work with that data. Uh, that's a much better situation than when the data was locked up on one agency supercomputer where you needed to six-month security clearance process to even get access. So there's been a lot of progress that's been made. We started Earthmover because we saw that the process of moving to a cloud-native data infrastructure for scientific data was still too inaccessible. It required a lot of really custom engineering and a lot of expertise that was not well distributed in our community. So our goal is to build a platform that's going to make it easier to bring scientific data into the cloud, distribute it in the sort of cloud-native spatial data infrastructure that Chris talked about, and to make those capabilities uh, available to any organization, agency, or company who wants them. So that's what we're trying to do today. Cool. Severe, you know, um, how it, no, I mean, there's a lot of no, obviously, but how, how would your open science efforts benefit from collaboration with this community, do you think? Thanks, Eddie. I think very, very relevant, right? I, I, I just want to actually start 
my days when I was in grad school, why I am motivated here and so glad to be in this community again uh, to acknowledge this is my first 4G, first, uh, first 4G as well. But I, I remember when I was in grad school trying to do my research and trying to find the data, I couldn't find one. Right? I was trying to scrape the data from NASA, I was trying to scrape the data from NOAA, but I did not know where to really find them. Right? I did not know anyone, I didn't have any point of contact to ask for data sets, there are so many, uh, there are so many places that you could go. Right? So being, remembering those days, sort of motivation around, if there's an opportunity for me to come back to any institution like that and see if I can make that data a lot more available and accessible to the users, that would have been great and fantastic. So my career journey, I had opportunity to work in academia and the industry, but then I came back to work for NOAA. As a port of flight in, 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 uh, in weather service, especially in, like in our hydro program now, what we're trying to do is actually trying to collaborate with the open source community as well as the COTS, right? We, as a government, we just need to make sure that we have a, a users who are in the both domain of the bucket, both buckets, some are using the, the open source, some are using the COTS. So we just need to find sort of bridge where we can actually get, uh, cross path those opportunities as well, right? As a part of that, what we're trying to do and what I see this community can help us also is to bridge that gap as well, right? Because a lot of you work in the open source community as well as the COTS, right? And then the, some of the work that we're doing to make our data set a lot more accessible, I think there will be a lot also conversation about like, the how it's going to enable the open science, right? The, the, the challenge that we have is like, not only the data that's available sitting somewhere else, but how we're going to make it available to the larger community. Now that you know, everybody is moving towards the cloud, how those on-prem systems and the data system that we have will be available in the cloud. And talking about some of the talk about the Chris talk about like you know, cloud native and geospatial, that's the domain we would like to go down there. So we're trying to work and work this community to help us actually get into that direction. So we are trying ourselves, but what we're doing is not uh, enough to help to accelerate that. So what I'm expecting for this community is like, you know, uh, we are able to share our data and the services through the repository, right? We have data sitting there, but we, we produce a whole lot of data set, but how we're going to make it available to larger uses is something that we need also your help to uh, make that happen, right? And that's why we also participate in a lot of the open science initiatives, like, you know, uh, some of this year you're, uh, you may be aware of, like, you know, this year, OSTP actually announced the 2023 as a year of open science, right? So the, basically what we're trying to do, actually foster the collaboration within all the federal governments as well, so that we are working together to enable the data to everybody, so that you know that actually leverages the data and the services. But we're, a lot of the times, when you talk about the open science, we're only talking about the data as well. But there are a lot to it, right? Because there are a lot of the uh, software content to it. There's a lot. All, also, the the research output comes out at those are publications that are uh, how we're going to make those available to larger community. And the software code base, how we're going to maintain some of those code base, is also one of our challenges as well. Right, so a lot of you contribute back into some of those software developers as well, but how, as a government, we can have access to those and interact with the community, this is something we're looking forward to. So I, I, I do see that there's a lot more opportunity to actually collaborate with the stakeholders and the government can be one of the players to help accelerate some of the uh, open science effort in this community. So we're looking forward to that collaboration. Thanks, dear. Yeah. Chris, you identified some of the planet open science efforts here. Can you talk a little bit more about how Planet is sitting in the interface there between open science and uh, open source software? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I didn't really talk about Planet at all, but we have a constellation of satellites that take pictures of the Earth, and uh, the founders were all from NASA, and so that sort of open science is very much in their blood. And the way we tend to work is partnering with different people who are able to kind of help fund us to open data. So the NICFI, uh, I think it's Norway's forest initiative, has uh, funded completely open data for the tropics. Um, and we've seen yeah, a whole bunch of people building deforestation stuff and planetary variables on top of that. Uh, and yeah, we have a whole education research program that makes the data available to a number of institutions. And then 
through NASA, any uh, researcher in the federal government, not just NASA, but uh, NOAA, et cetera, who's doing research can access the full Planet Archive. So yeah, it's definitely something that we really want to see and encourage as much as possible. Cool. I want to speak a little bit for Sophia, and um, as she has in her title the um, participatory open science lead at USGS. So there's a lot of open science. And Sophia and I spent a good bit of time talking about open science means different things to different people. But I do know for, uh, for certain that USGS has a number of programs that are very much about citizens contributing to scientific efforts and then bringing it together. So one thing I, I will just uh, say for this conference and also for the Fed Geo Day uh, gathering, which is, I think one of the keys for open science and open source software collaboration is just us getting together. And Chris, you really laid out that, you know, the meeting of data and software and standards. Well, it needs to happen here in this kind of forum. So uh, one of the things I would uh, also say in terms of fostering this collaboration is that anybody here that wants to help uh, me and Guido and Maggie Colley and Sophia and the people who are convening these things, um, please let me know if you're interested in helping us with the next Phosphor G North America so that we can continue this dialogue and uh, you know make these forums uh, happen. Matt Hansen, other, many other people here on the uh, that have volunteered to help that. So this, in a way, part of my answer on the collaboration is to bring you guys together. All right, I just want to quickly go to the next question, and this is, I'll start with Sadir because this is a really specifically uh, down your line. How will open science benefit the weather, water, and climate enterprise, and what role will Phosphor-G, if at all, play in that collaboration help make that happen? Thanks, Eddie. I think you just touched the heart of the what I do, right? So thank yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> very relevant questions, right? So. You know, what we're trying to do a lot more focus on the, you know, the weather, water, and then the, uh, the climate enterprise. I, I do focus a lot more on the water enterprise, but like, you know, in, in general, the community, what we're trying to build is that will help us in a sense, like what we're trying to do right now, like I just said earlier, like, you know, we want to make sure that our data sets is a lot more accessible, right? How are we going to do that? For, for till now, all of our data sets, most of the our data sets, at least in our program, was sitting on our on-prem system, right? And from there, we have an issue of the infrastructure, right? Because we don't have enough bandwidth to make the data set available. So a lot of the times, I'm sure you may have experienced, like you're trying to download data, you may got throttle or you may got banned, right? You got banned, blacklisted sometimes, right? Uh, so, but there is a reason to it because like, you know, there are a lot, we want to make sure the bandwidth is available to everyone, right? And so that the, the data set is available to everyone. So there is equal distribution of the data access to provide to that. So how we're going to overcome some of those challenges that I read right now. So what we're trying to do actually move some of our, those data sets into the cloud. And that's where like, okay, most of, all of you may be aware, like uh, right now, the way our, the forecast data sets are coming out as a NetCDF, right? We're writing that as a NetCDF because that's how we store our data sets. But all of you who've been working on that in this domain know the how challenging it can be when you're trying to access the data in NetCDF, right? And you're trying to do the, uh, any large analysis in the cloud. Right. So that's where some of the work that I see here in this community group, like trying to work on cloud native, cloud optimized data. So the work like, you know, Brian has led on the doing and the Chris has led uh, doing on the optimizing the data available in the cloud. Right. So that's, that is what we're trying to do, get, just get started. Like, and I also want to resonate some of what Pivage um, was talking about. Like, you know, yes, we're a little bit slow, right? But there is a reason, you know, we have, we do not have tremendous amount of resources, right? So, and again, we, we just want to make sure that, you know, we have, because we have to go through the procedures to make the data sets available to larger community, right? Because, so, it's, and that's why the, the, the pace can be some, somewhat slow, 
but we're not that slow, right? I'm positive about it. I mean, we're not that slow. I mean, there are some folks who are trying to work with the community here. We're trying to work with academia and also the private industry to make sure that we are in the pace, right? So that's where we're actually heading towards right now is to make sure that you know all the data that's coming up, at least of the, our program on the, the water side, what we're trying to do is we get the data set, but the data is also accessible, but in a way that the people can use them and make sense of out of it, right? So we are working towards that, but like that's what we're trying to do, trying to make, uh, I don't know if you're aware of that, like NOAA has a uh, program called, you know, uh, data dissemination or the open data dissemination effort, that's where we actually move the data into all three uh, cloud service providers, right? That's their Microsoft, AWS, and then the Google. So what we're trying to do is make all our data set available into the, uh, to the, those uh, cloud providers. And also trying to make sure that the data sets are actually cloud optimized as much as possible, but we're heading into that direction. So what I can see the opportunity here with this community actually that you can help us to get to that stage, right? Definitely, like, there, we need to find some, some way that, you know, how we can improve the data access, but also some collaborative research that we can uh, work on, right? And please reach out. I will be here all day today to talk through. But definitely looking forward to some of those collaboration and the feedback as well, right? This is something we're pretty new on the cloud, uh, cloud uh, optimized work that we're trying data, we're trying to for, uh, make available to the public. But this is something we like uh, you to go and get some of our data and provide us the feedback and help us grow. This is something I think I, uh, this is where I see like there's an opportunity to innovate some of the, the work that we're trying to do here. And having definitely trust what we do and solve the transparency. We're trying to be transparent, what we're trying to do and share the data to the community. So definitely, and in the last, what I'll say is like, you know, from the government perspective, we can also help some of the accelerate and sort of coordinate some of the efforts around here, right? So that, you know, you can help us uh, in our work, what we're trying to do, but also we can help you to get there. So this is something like, you know, we can work together in that domain. I'm looking forward to a lot more. Is, um, I mean, just I'll, I'll take a little different tack on that and I'll start with Paige here. Um, are there other federal mandates or specific agency goals that you see that this collaboration between the, your open science efforts and the Phosphor G community would further? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, it is interesting working in government. I've been here for less than a year, and before that I was a postdoc doing climate research. Um, I realized several of them kind of said their introductory kind of stories of how they got here. Um, that, was, that was kind of mine. I was in the climate modeling community. Um, very interestingly, it seems like a largely different community than this one, but they seem very similar. Um, and I think we, I could see a lot more um, you know, communication and collaboration with those communities. Um, and uh, in this year working at NASA, I have really understood how important it is to have these government mandates and to have the government, um, you know, working on some of this open science. So we might seem a little slow. We have a lot more structures in place that we have to follow sometimes than a lot of the rest of the community. Um, and that's, I think, really where we, we benefit from collaborating with people like you. I know you all work in very different sectors with your own, uh, you know, red tape. Um, but we all have our different uh, red tape in different ways. I think that's really where I can see this kind of collaboration um, being really fruitful for all of us. Um, and so I guess going back a little bit to the previous um, question, talking specifically about like climate and weather and water science. Um, uh, these are inherently global sciences. We have oceans and land and rivers and weather everywhere on the planet. And especially with things like climate change, we really want to make sure that we get research and we can take climate action in all the locations around the globe. And what that really means is engaging scientists and researchers and decision makers and software developers and data managers in every location on the globe. And to do that, we need to make sure that we are 
not putting in, putting in place barriers based on the tools and the data that we're using. So to me, this is really one of the uh, best aspects of, of this idea of open science, that we can really engage with the entire globe so we can actually address these very important issues that everyone uh, is going to face and is already facing today. Um, so as far as these federal mandates, I mean, one of the reasons why we are here today, why NASA and NOAA and many other agencies are really putting open science at the forefront um, was from um, a memo that came out of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy um, that said they want um, basically equitable access to government-funded data and research. Um, now that's very specific in the U.S., and that is one of, one of the things that we are working within. We are U.S. government agencies, so we are prioritizing U.S. communities, and that's where I think this collaboration with, with all of you um, uh, can really help make that more international. Um, so that, that's kind of where we are coming from in a lot of this. Um, yeah, NASA is really big about making their data available to everyone. Um, that's, I wouldn't say that's a mandate, but that is one of our big goals. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, you can't, but we can't really, as, as Chris was mentioning in his talk, we can't really talk just about the data. It's this whole structure, um, this infrastructure altogether, the software, um, the, the standards, all of these things. Um, and so that's really where this community comes in and helping to set some of these standards, um, helping to create some of this infrastructure so that we really can make our data available. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my, my response there. Ryan, you're kind of working at it from the problem up. I mean, how, how, how do you see the collaboration with the open science and open source communities furthering federal societal goals too? It's a great question. Uh, I want to try a little audience participation here to get at th this. So raise your hand if you're personally concerned about the climate crisis. <laughs> Keep your hand up if you feel like the work you're doing in your day job is contributing in some even infinitesimal way towards the solutions. That's awesome to see, right? So one thing that's changed that I've seen over the past 10 years is the awareness of the urgency of the climate problem. And you can see that in the room today. I bet, I bet there's a lot more hands up today than there would have been at this conference 10 years ago. Um, we can, though, especially see this in what's happening in the private sector. There is a huge interest in the climate problem, not just from, as an academic research problem, but as something that is affecting the bottom line of so many businesses uh, across the economy. So we're seeing this explosion of you know, climate tech, right, which means a lot of different things, uh, but a big part of that means using data, much of it geospatial data, to make decisions about how this economy is going to adapt to climate change. In the open science world, we care a lot about reproducibility as like one of the virtues of open, open science. And it's, it's almost so widely accepted that like we don't even question like why we care about reproducibility. Like it's just like, oh, it's like, a, it's like one of the Ten Commandments of open science is supposed to be reproducible. As I've gotten to understand the private sector perspective, I've learned that reproducibility has this flip side that's very, very important to many big companies and organizations, which is transparency of how decisions are being made. How, you know, if, if a company decides they're going to raise your insurance policy because uh, your home is now at some increased uh, risk for wildfire, people want to know why. They want to understand how that decision was reached, what data went into it, what sort of processing and analysis went into that. Regulators want to know these things and, in fact, need to start regulating this type of climate information 
much more carefully than they are today. Um, so the role that sort of open science and open source software and open data can play is to create this transparency in and reproducibility in how we're using climate information to make these really important society-wide decisions. And that information should not just be locked up within you know, a few analysts or a few companies that are sort of doing that work. That is really everyone's right to understand, examine, and scrutinize how those decisions are being made. So what does that mean in practice? Well, uh, open standards are a big part of this. Right, how we share and exchange data. Um, things like being able to identify the provenance of data, understanding where data came from. <clears throat> and a much harder problem, I think, is understanding how analysis was performed, particularly once we start using relatively opaque models, like AI-based models, how those models are, are reaching their conclusions, making that code and those models open and available to scrutiny, uh, uh, available to build upon. These are all things that are good from an open science point of view, but they're also gonna really accelerate our species' uh, ability to adapt to this really urgent crisis. So um, that's a pretty great motivation, I think, for all of us to keep working on this, keep trying to work together and improve the way all of our systems interoperate with, with this big challenge and goal in mind. Well, thank you, Ryan. Sudhir, I know that NOAA has many policies, goals, et cetera. How would this collaboration, can you elaborate any more on how this open science, open source software collaboration might help you meet mandates that you're facing or going to face? So again, like, you know, so the mandates, I will not talk about say the mandates, but you know, this our goal, right? Because we want, our primary goal is to serve the American yeah. public, right? And what we would like to do is to make sure our data is available, but again, the requirement had changed, right? Because if you remember before, we're able to put our data sets into the FTP server, and then we said, okay, now data is publicly available, right? But what does that mean, right? Because that data is available, but really not available, right? So we're sort of like a gearing from there to moving towards the, how we actually make our data set a lot more accessible. I think that's where we're moving towards. You know, so there is a mandate like, and yes, we, there is a requirement that you know, all the, the most of the data set that are coming out of the, our the research and also the, the operational data, that's available to the public for use, yeah. right? So, so that's, that's the goal we're heading towards and we're trying to make sure that the, those data sets are usable. And uh, again, like, you know, the, what Ryan was trying to say, like a repeatable, that is something like, you know, we also would like to make sure there's a data integrity as well, right? We do, we want to make sure the, the, the data sets that we're making available has the initial, uh, enough, enough metadata to that, what that sense to the users. A lot of the times the data set is there with uh, make it available, but they don't know what that data means, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do some due diligence now to make sure that we have a rich metadata as possible. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you who are working on the data domain, nobody likes to do that metadata job, right? Because that's a hard thing to do, right? So we're actually working diligently to make sure that you're working, uh, we're spending time to write the the metadata that follows the standards as well, because the standardization is also something we're looking at, right? So this is, the, so, but the, uh, uh, one of the important thing for open science is not only like, you know, the data itself, but also how the data set is available, but also the processes that goes behind that, right? A lot of the, the research publication that's coming out, right? How can we make that uh, the work available so that that processes can be repeated by someone else? Right, so, so, that, so that's the goal we're heading towards. Okay, cool. Chris, you've heard a lot of different responses and reactions now to your challenge, and you've been on standards body center. How do you see, uh, do you have any more thoughts or is there anything that popped to your mind now on open science, FOSS, communication, uh, collaboration? Yeah, I think one of the things that's going to my mind is just, 
Yeah, I mean, one, the ease, like how we can make this as easy as possible mm -hmm. and not just kind of like say, here it is, here's the standard, go figure it out. But I mean, education material, tutorials and, and tools that make it even easier. And then to me, the thing that I think I hit on briefly, but does feel like th there's something there with how do we break down the the line between producer and consumer. You know, right now it's very much like publish out, you look to the federal agency, they put their science out, like the scientist makes the thing, you hope he fills out the thing to making it so more people are participating. And I think it's something we feel in open source software, like when you put something out, you're psyched to see the feedback and that inspires you more, you're psyched to see people collaborate with you and actually make your stuff better. And, and I think that creates this virtuous cycle and feedback loop. And yeah, I think you guys have hit on it, but like, like and I don't have the answer, but I think that, that to me is the thing that I think will eventually make this all work where it's not just like, oh, please like fund this and the resources are limited, but like, what are we all working on together? And yeah, I think a lot of it comes back to the data and how do we actually like, work with the data, make the data available, make it accessible, and figure out these feedback loops where, yeah, it's easy to like take the NOAA data, combine it with the NASA data, and publish that somewhere. And like for the, the NASA researcher to see that and the NOAA researcher to see their data being used that inspires them to fill out metadata and to do these things because somebody's gonna read it. Like I think filling out metadata is frustrating when you think that nobody's gonna possibly read this, but when you know someone's gonna look at that, it's gonna make their job easier. So yeah, how do we get that kind of feedback loops of inspiration? The, um, when I was uh, talking with Sophia before about some of the efforts at USGS, I was impressed by uh, like open science efforts at USGS to, to engage with like uh, native tribes people to actually crowdsource data in uh, fishery areas. And, they get the, and I can tell you that they're not gonna buy proprietary software to communicate that data back. So this community, just like it's done for the OpenStreetMap community, really needs to be working with the open science community to make this stuff, uh, to make the efforts of citizens reach out into the, and, and have citizen scientists participate with the open science community. Uh, I wanna ask about, um, uh, besides data sharing itself, so that, that kind of segues to where I wanted to go there. Um, we, we, we've talked about how the Phosphor G community and new standards and better software, et cetera, can help us get the data to people to solve problems. Besides uh, that data sharing aspect, do you see any other aspects of open science, particularly with geospatial, that you think could be benefited by working with open source software community? Paige, you want to? You, can you tackle that? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, as we've kind of mentioned, open science does mean different things to different people, and it has a pretty broad definition. Um, there actually is a federal definition of open science that stresses not only the sharing of data and the writing of open, open code and, and open results, um, but the process and practice of how we're doing our science. Um, I... I see all of these aspects as great ways to collaborate with, um, with the Phosphor-G community. Um, I see in many ways, it, it, it's, um, it's funny while we're here saying, oh, how can the open science work with the um, community, work with the Phosphor-G community? I feel like they're very similar. There may be one community um, in many ways. Um, and maybe to what Chris was saying, I think that, you know, maybe, you know, in some ways calling two different communities maybe kind of artificially separating. We want more people kind of working together. Um, anyway, we have different backgrounds maybe, but um, so I think everything we've been talking about, we've talked about data sharing, we've talked about um, building open source software that can help with the data sharing, but can also help with um, the processing of the data, the getting to the results. Um, which is, you know, very important in, in science. Um, and I think the, um, I mean, you, you've kind of mentioned the citizen science aspect, um, which I think is, is also quite important. NASA does a lot of, a lot of citizen science. Uh, and I think a lot of that is we recognize there are a lot of people interested in getting involved. Um, and that's a great way for us to um, 
kind of put a priority on making sure we're using these open tools, so that helps us as well. Um, let's see, I had a point that I was trying to get to, and now I went in a roundabout minute. Well, I'll uh, let you, you can come back to it. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, no, I think, yeah. so, um, from what I can understand about the FOS4G community, um, you know, I come from the scientific research. I think there's a lot of that going on, but it's not specific to science research. Um, what the FOS4G community does with open street maps and things like this, I think it's a little bit more connected to um, you know, local governments and kind of, um, you know, regional mapping and this kind of thing, which kind of is more grounded in these local communities that aren't necessarily um, in the research community. And I think that, to me, seems like a really fantastic uh, like partnership um, where if we could, maybe the, the kind of open science community um, can engage more with the FOSPRG community to really make sure that the science results are really becoming, um, are, are, are actionable, are, are actually being used in local governance and mitigation strategies if we're talking about you know, climate change and this kind of thing. Um, so again, this is maybe my, my personal take on what the FOSPRG community is um, and some of the, the differences that we can leverage. Um, but I, I see that as really one aspect that I think open science more than data sharing. It's the um, that communication side of who, you know, that collaborate, open, open collaboration. Maybe that's what yeah. I see as really beneficial. Brian, you want to tackle that? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe try to say something you know, provocative to get the blood flowing here a little bit. I, I think a, a, lot of, um, a lot of scientists working in climate or weather or hydrology or oceanography or whatever it may be, don't self-identify as doing geospatial stuff. It's not part of the curriculum. It's not part of the training. Uh, and it's not really part of the, the culture. I mean, I did a, I did a PhD uh, in climate science from MIT. I, I graduated without knowing what a CRS is. Like, it's it just, it, it's a very different world. Um, those fields need what the geospatial community has, the, the technology and the tools. Um, but they think of their primary work as trying to understand the, the chemistry or the physics or the biology of some scientific process. And geospatial is just one aspect of that. So what that means um, for us, it, you know, now putting on the hat as a geospatial person is that you know, if we try and center like the geospatial aspect as like the core thing that we're doing, it might not find those audiences and it might not have the impacts um, that we're, we're looking for. Um, but I think if we can bring in, integrate geospatial technology with those existing tools, existing technologies, and embed it, you know, a, as part of the, the data so that the scientists don't have to say, oh, I need to like do this extra step to be geospatial, then we're gonna go a lot farther. Um, and I'll, I'll add one more related point, which is for many of these scientific domains, you know, the time dimension uh, is, very important and very hard as well, right? So there's a, whole, there's a whole world of data that's just about time series data and temporal data analysis, and here we've got spatial data, but really the scientific problems are all spatial, temporal, right? And so I, I, I'm curious in hearing more about that time dimension as well, because it's a big uh, challenge for many of these climate and weather data sets. So, you know, weather data may not be very high spatial resolution. It looks very coarse compared to some Im imagery. But it's 30-minute, uh, you know, outputs for, for decades, right? So there's, it's large and, and complex in a, along a whole different dimension. So just, just a few thoughts about what work lies ahead in order to have those open science impacts. Yeah. Sadir, do you want to, I mean, you guys must work with other, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we talked about your work, you're attending other scientific conferences and stuff, but not geo conferences. What are, what are you thinking in terms of how this dialogue could happen? No, I, I, I think one thing I 
also would like to talk, mention about like, you know, it will be nice <clears throat> to have actually policy around how, how we make the, the you know, we, there is like a collaboration effort going on, right? But like, you know, it would be good to have some sort of policy around like how we support the community. Yeah. I think, right? Having a, and I don't know exactly like, you know, what that policy can be, but what I envision is like, you know, there is a policy that actually allows government to work with the community, right? But again, just having a policy is not enough. There needs to be a funding mechanism available to support that work, right? To sustain, right? Because there are lots of lots of work that's built around the open source community, right? Mm -hmm. And especially like in the wireless service, like you know, we like to use some of them, but like we are operational. We yeah. are not able to just take that and use it, right? Because we have, you know, like, you know, we also have like a domain where we, uh, one, one part of our uh, program works on the research. Another, there's another program we call R2O, Research to Operation, right? So there is a processes in a place which makes the research data to operation, right? The same, I would love to see that, like the same sort of collaboration effort with this community where, you know, we can bring in some of those work built on some the tools, the solutions that's built that can be used by us as well, right? But there need to be a sort of like a procedure and a look at the sort of the maturity level how we can have that software to be integrated in our uh, in our use cases, right? So have to have some sort of like a authoritative source workflows that we can have on. But how? But for there, there need to be some sort of like you know overseeing policies and the procedure in a place that we can actually use some of that, right? I, I think that that is one of the uh, things that I see is missing and will be really good to have in, in that community that will really help us as well as to grow together with this community. Yeah. Chris, you've actually gone through several of these, but you know, aside from the data sharing part, what, is, what other you know, collaboration or what, what you want to footstop on in terms of what the Foster G community could do to encourage open science? Yeah, I mean, Ryan's points resonated with me, and I think just reiterate, like, yeah, the sort of humility, you know, like, that the, we need to not say spatial is special, and if only you would do things spatially, then all the problems would be solved, but kind of that meet users way more than halfway and kind of figure out how do we get geospatial so it's easy to use, so it's the path of least resistance, and yeah, yeah kind of take that on, so. Yeah. Well, I think we have time for one closing thoughts from each of you. And I did want to, you know, like as we've gone through here, is there something that you've missed or whatever? So I'll start with Paige. And just, is there one other message that you want to make sure that to leave this audience with or something that you wanted to, to make sure you got the point across today? Um, mostly, I want to encourage you all to keep doing what you're doing. Um, I think it's, it's great. I love, I love seeing so much in the open source space and the op open data, all, all, of, all of what we've been talking about. So yeah, I, I'll just encourage you to keep going. Ryan? I, I think my message would be, we're at a really great and exciting time to be working in this space. I think Chris's talk gave a great summary of all the progress that's happened on particularly around file formats, cloud-optimized file formats and standards. And I think, you know, we're good on file format. <laughs> like, let's not, yes. let's not do any more. Like, <laughs> let, let's but, get to work. But, but now let's, but now let's build those engines that can work with those file formats and do amazing things with them. And you know, visualization is one application, but large scale, planetary scale compute uh, and uh, analytics and machine learning is I think where we're gonna go. So I'm really excited to see what everyone is building and what we're gonna build. And um, I think we're about to enter a golden age basically for geospatial data in the cloud. Great. So there, closing thought? Yeah, so just to recap again, you know, I, I can 
say enough what like in you know, Ryan Page and then it was talked about like, yes, we are in the, that phase, right? We actually, in my program, I'm so excited that, you know, now we're actually, you know, making some of our data set a lot more available in a way that's uh, chunked, right? Because like, you know, we talked about like, you know, some of the geospatial and time series, right? Our users want both. And we're still trying to figure this thing out, right? We don't know, like all of you, you know, I have worked with the, uh, some of this community to know like what my chunking size is going to be, what my chunking schema is going to be, I don't know, right? So what I'm looking at you here in this community is to help us as well, right? I, I know there is, and that's why I was talking about like having the right policy, but also I want to see a forge collaboration and maybe we find some opportunity that Phos4G can actually help us bridge those, build that collaborative platform with this community, right? But I would like to see like, you know, some of the cool stuff that you're doing that I don't know, right? We don't have all the resource, but we can use your help, right? I, I think that's what I see, like there's an opportunity for us to work together and use all the capabilities that we have around and how, let's, help us to help you as well so that we can serve our American public. I think that that's, that's the goal I'm looking at. I'm very excited uh, what, uh, with this opportunity to actually talk and share what we have right now. But this is a lot for me to learn rather than like actually give it to this large community, actually. I'm here to learn. Thanks, Dirk. Chris, you had to start. You want to write recap? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, Brian's points resonate with me. No more data formats. Uh, <laughs> I'm done with that phase of my career. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I think the, the next step for me is, yeah, get all the data in these formats. Like, I mean, it's pretty simple, but like, and, and it's less sexy work, but that's like literally what I've started to do is just converting things and uploading them. And I think that gets this kind of wheel turning. Um, I think the two things that become real interesting are, are data schemas, like how do we go not just the format level, but uh, everybody publishing buildings with the same attributes and be able to have those data sets grow. And then within that, I think IDs and getting to global IDs are, those to me are the next frontiers of make it so everyone can just publish data and it's interoperable and we're not doing it schema mapping on the fly, but just starting to coalesce the data in common ways and publish it in common ways. Um, so yeah, that's my closing more technical thought. Well, I want to thank all four of you. And um, I also want to thank Sophia, who wasn't able to be here, but did contributed mightily to all the questions. Really appreciate the discussion. Um, if you wouldn't mind.